Good evening. Ben is off this week. My name is Shane Foxman. Thanks for spending your Earth Day with us. Uh, we spent the first two hours uh, talking to, again, uh, different groups, uh, individuals, uh, organizations, industry people, uh, just about what uh, what they're doing. How are they doing to make uh, uh, the world a better place, trying to help things along, doing what they can to help the environment. Uh, our next guest, uh, him and his, uh, I don't want to say his friends, his colleagues, have taken things into their own hands, literally. Uh, Ken Gray is the Secretary and Director of Mill Bay and District Conservation Society. Uh, Ken, thanks for joining us. Oh, I'm happy to be here tonight. You know, I, I heard about what you guys were up to. I, I don't know what... All, all I pictured, and I want people to just imagine this, uh, all those movies you used to watch when you were kids, and you'd see there was a fire, and they'd have, you know, the guy with the bucket at the... the with the water source, and they would move the bucket along all the way until they got it to the fire. And that's what I kind of visualize you guys doing with Sam, and it's not exactly the same, but it, it seems closer than not, doesn't it? It does. It's a, it's a very labor-intensive endeavor that we've uh, achieved through the years, um, and this has been going on since the, uh, uh, the project started in 1978. So it's been a good many thousand salmon that have been moved this way by this railway system that... Uh, uh, we have uh, had designed many years ago. So, where uh, let for people that don't know, where where are you doing this? Where is this taking place? Um, the actual uh, capture of the fish is taking place on uh, the base of Shawnigan Creek, uh, where it enters the ocean. Uh, there are but um, a number of impassable waterfalls that uh, at the base of the creek that these fish have to be captured. Before uh, at the base of the falls via uh, um, a fish trap and then transferred uh, via a rail system uh, up above uh, two waiting live tanks up above and then transferred up above these uh, impassable waterfalls to be put back in uh, the uh, creek, shining the creek to spawn naturally. So it's all taking place in uh, Mill Bay, which is about 40 kilometers north of Victoria. What... Obviously, you guys saw the situation and saw the problem, but where did the idea come to do it this way, to, to tackle the problem in this way? In, 19, in the late 70s, like I said, the product, project started right. in 1978. Uh, in the late 70s, the uh, coho stocks in the Surrey of Georgia were in serious decline. So with a group of volunteers at that time, and DF, in conjunction with DFO and the Goldstream Hatchery, it was determined that there were... Uh, quite a few miles of spawning material above these falls in Shawnigan Creek that were barren because there were no uh, salmon that were able to get to these spawning areas because of the impassable waterfalls. So three successive years of smoke plantings took place, knowing full well that these fish, whenever they came back to spawn, had to be captured and transferred up above the falls. So at that time, uh, the early days, these fish were captured uh, and hauled up uh, a set of stairs to the live tanks uh, by uh, um, uh, sacks, um, burlap sacks. Wow. And then it start, there wasn't that many in, in those days. You know, an average run in the early days was a couple to two to uh, 400 fish. But as time grew uh, through the years, um, the number of fish also increased, and uh, there had to be a better way. So a railway system was designed, and it's in play to today. Uh, it, it's amazing uh, that that's what's, uh, what, what, what came about. Uh, Ken Gray joins as Secretary and Director of Mill Bay and District Conservation uh, Society. Uh, 
What's it like for someone to see that the first time? When you get a new volunteer, someone comes out, or what, what's that like? Yeah, it's amazing, because originally I was from the prairies. I moved out to the coast in the year 2000, and it took me... I, our family's always been involved in conservation one way or the other, but uh, when I came out to the coast, I was sort of looking to find a project, per se, to get into uh, in the conservation field. And I came across this project, and it's, it was really like... My eyes fell out of my, my head for the first, first part when I saw this and, and how they were doing this. And I, I threw my heart and my soul in behind the project. And I've been doing it for 16 years now. And uh, as I see the people, new people coming every year to see this uh, um, fish move take place and, and the smiles on their faces and the, and the, the thoughts and... and uh, um, comments that come out of their mouths is is quite quite amazing especially people from uh uh like europe or south america or you know any parts other parts of the world that's never ever experienced in anything uh of this uh, shape or, or form now again i want people to visualize so uh, you've got volunteers in the water right when uh, i'm assuming hip waders or whatever they need to be out there and they're just catching fish well, there, there's two ways that the fish are uh, captured uh, prior to being able to be able to move out of the right. uh, uh, trap area. And one way is there is a uh, fish way uh, that was created that the fish can swim in. Uh, there's water going through the trap, through the fish way, and the fish will jump up into the fish way and, and follow the fish way and then go up a incline uh, through a set of fingers and then they're into the trap. And once they're in the trap, they contain but there's also an opportunity for volunteers to capture fish because fish will always go to what is implanted in their head, and that is to try the falls uh, on their own until they figure out uh, uh, there must be an easier way. But, uh, um, yeah, there's, there's a good number of fish captured at the falls uh, uh, as well as uh, the trap. Now, I think I heard that uh, this year celebrating a record-breaking, was it 7,300? That was returning past, call. Yeah, yeah. That was this past uh, um, time frame from September to uh, mid November last year. Right. So, how long? Uh, how long does that take? Seventy three hundred fish. Well, typically on any given year, the fish come home on every major rainfall event. Uh, last year, it started. It I think they started to come home on September the twenty seventh. And which was it was yearly. Uh, usually, they come home around the seventh to tenth of October with that first rainfall event. But like I said, they did come home early, and uh, they did continue till, like I said, a um, little bit past mid um, November. But most years, they come home on that rainfall event. Last year, they were just about coming home every day. There were so many of them last year. Uh, it's amazing. I, I'm just curious. We've had so much crazy weather. Uh, in the last year or so, uh, especially in this part of the country. What, uh, has that played a role? Uh, just when you talk about the, all the, the, the torrential rains we've had, has that been an issue? It, it, it will be for sure. Uh, last year's heat dome uh, was certainly something we didn't need. The uh, fry and, uh, that were in the creek uh, during last summer's early heat dome, uh, there was certainly... Uh, large um, 
bunch of mortality up and down the island because the water temperatures got too high, far past what uh, a lot of salmon could handle. Um, so at the start of the heat, prior to the heat dome, I saw a fair number of uh, fry in the creek. Once the heat dome passed um, and the, all that heat, hot weather passed, it was very hard to even see uh, uh, a fry in the water. So like I said, there was uh, quite substantial mortality. And then came the uh, atmospheric river uh, in mid-November, which probably did a lot of damage also because those early fish that spawned, uh, the eggs were in the gravel, and with the amount of water that uh, went down the, the river systems, creek systems, so on and so forth, that a lot of the um, spawning beds probably got scoured or silted over that we had large mortality in eggs. But saying that, uh, the saving grace that uh, the late spawners that uh, we moved into the creek system, they seem to have uh, hunkered down and rode out the storm, and a, a number of them spawned after after the uh, atmosphere river took place and uh, i am seeing significant number of uh, fry in the creek system uh today uh ken gray is our guest secretary and director of mill bay and district conservation society we're going to take a quick break when we come back we'll talk to ken about dams and the effect that uh, they have. I'm Shane Foxman. You're listening to a little more conversation. Ben is off. My name is Shane Foxman. Thanks for uh, joining us this evening. Ken Gray is our guest, the uh, Secretary and Director of the Mill Bay and District Conservation Society. Uh, just talking about uh, their uh, program, their rail service, uh, as they uh, help the salmon get to where they need to get to to spawn. Uh, Ken, we were just talking before the break. I- I'm wondering, does... Uh, are, are all are these issues for the salmon where they they can't go to where they need to get to? Is this all results of dams? Um, not in our case. Uh, these are natural waterfalls. So how did um, they? So how did they? Get, how, before you guys arrived, what were those salmon doing? There was no salmon in that system whatsoever. Ah. So it's a one hundred percent man-made run. Uh, the only run and uh, project like this in its existence. It's a unique, unique project for sure. Yeah, like that is very interesting because, again, most of the times we're trying to figure out, okay, we've changed the, the streams, the way they flow. We've got to figure out a way to help the salmon. This one, you guys create the whole thing. And again, as you stated off the bat, it was because they saw what was up above the waterfalls and thought, oh, you know what, this could be very helpful. Yes, for sure, for sure. And uh, yes, it's, uh, you know, it is an inspiration to other salmon enhancement uh, projects up and down the coast uh, uh, and they look at us and it can be done for sure. Uh, we have grown from a, a very small number of fish at the start of a project to where we are today. So huge strides. I would think that there's uh, people from all over that come to look at it, not just for the, the spectacle of it, but to go, how can we do this? Oh, for sure. For sure. There's a lot, especially last year uh, where we did get so many fish uh, that came home that, it created uh, interest in all sorts of the community uh, up and down the island and up and down the coast, actually into the, the United States also. Um, there was a lot of eyes on our project last year, for sure. Yeah, I would think so. And, and, and what is the reaction from folks? Are they, are they amazed that you were able to, uh, and again, it's not like it's just started, it's been going on for years, but uh, again, to introduce it all, it, it's not like you're just trying to help the fish, you created a whole new environment. 
Yes, for sure. Um, like people are amazed for sure. Uh, we have this uh, whole moving process, uh, capture process, uh, down to a fine art. So the whole the whole uh, process of which these fish, every fish captured is usually moved moved five times from the time it's caught to the time it's uh, re-released back into the creek. Um, we have next to no mortality uh, in all that stress that they go through. So, you know, it's a real feather in our cap that uh, we've uh, fine-tuned this whole operation. And, you know, it hasn't happened overnight. And, uh, um, like I said, a lot of uh, volunteer hours put in to make this all happen, for sure. No, I, I, I would imagine so. And again, as you say, as much as you do, you're still at the uh, at the whim of Mother Nature and climate to some degree. Oh, for sure. Uh, you know, first of all, in the whole watershed uh, with our fish in their lives, uh, they're susceptible to the forestry practices in the Shawnigan watershed, the industrial area, uh, the when they, they get into the lakes uh, area, they're... Uh, the recreational aspects, the sewage aspects, the residential aspects, and then they get into the lower watershed of the agriculture aspects. So these fish run a gauntlet, really, from the time that they are born to uh, till the time they leave for the ocean. And then once they get into the ocean, uh, we all know what takes place in the ocean with different uh, uh, conditions, whether it be heat, heat or lack of nutrients or whatever may be the case that uh, um, they're all always subjected to something uh, we're talking with uh, Ken Gray secretary and director of Mill Bay and District Conservation Society um, we've been talking to a lot of people today just about you know folks doing different things to kind of help the environment along and do what we can to make it a a better place I imagine you guys too uh, this is a great way to inspire a younger generation as well for them to see something like this I imagine that's part of your program as well oh for sure uh, we have always had part of our uh, project involvement uh, pinpointed towards the uh, schools around here. Shawnigan Lake School has been with us for many, many years. Uh, we supply them with the, uh, they have an on-site hatchery on their school as part of their environmental sciences program. So they've been through it uh, with us for years. There's uh, high schools, junior highs, elementary kids. We all uh, or we all try to make a place for them one way or the other in the program. Um, just because we know that these younger people are the way of the future. They're going to take over from us. Uh, most salmon enhancement projects in, in the, on the coast are, just put them uh, bluntly, are run by the gray-haired crowd. And, uh, <laughs> And that's, that's no different than our project, but, you know, we've attracted a lot of young people, and, and that's the hope with a lot of Salmon Enhancement projects, that they've attracted the young crowd to, to continue these very valuable projects. No, and then, as you say, and then take it to another level as well, as they fresh eyes, and we were talking to people earlier, it seems that the young people uh, are, are really uh, motivated by what they can do to help the environment, and what, what, what kind of difference can they make? So to, to have them exposed to what you guys are doing, uh, it'll be interesting to see as the next generation comes what they do to it. Oh, for sure. And, uh, you know, you look at their thought process and uh, uh, what our previous and, and 
even our generations, what we've done to the environment. And, you know, we're a small part of trying to uh, rearrange the damage, uh, uh, not really rearrange the damage, but uh, fix the damage that our previous generations uh, uh, contributed to the really the collapse of uh, Pacific salmon stocks. So uh, we're doing our small part to rebuild those salmon stocks. And um, any, any part of the environment that these young people can get involved with uh, um, to try and reverse the trend that, uh, that the previous generations uh, started is certainly uh, hopefully the, the way that uh, the future is going to pan out. Uh, Ken, thanks so much for your time tonight. We really appreciate it. I'm going to be online looking for some video of seeing you guys in action for sure because it seems fascinating. So thank you. Well, I'm going to just give you our website address. It's mbdcs.ca, and you can find all your information there. 